guys, welcome back to Like a Lady podcast. We're on episode two and I am so excited. I have to find more synonyms for excited or pumped because it's going to get old. But today I am sitting down with one of my friends, Mickey, and I wanted her to kind of explain, let's just give a little uh, bio she knows because she's in the theater world of what you do. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I live in New York. I'm an actor and I was just recently on tour with Once on This Island. Um, I was in the ensemble. I understudied four parts. Um, so I was basically a swing, but in the show eight <laughs> times a week still. Um, and before that, I uh, did, I was on the national tour of Beautiful, the Carol King musical for about two years. And I met Brittany here working in good old Amish country. <laughs> honestly, guys, musicals. honestly, I am not cool enough to be Mickey's friend and I don't know <laughs> why she keeps up with me, but I love it. <laughs> um, one of the crowning jewels of my career I'm just kidding but um when we were doing this Amish country Christmas musical and I literally had mm -hmm. met Mickey the day that day or the it was like a day after uh we had met and she was like we were singing for something and she was like I just want you to know that your riffs sound auto-tuned and I'm like write that on my gravestone please yes <laughs> Because they do, they literally do, like, just so clean and, like, so, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I, I like, I'm like, I need to engrave that on something so I can look at that for when I didn't get a part. He's like, but it's okay because your riffs are auto-tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely wanted, I knew when I was starting this podcast and I had like a list of people that I wanted to talk to, Mickey was like towards the top of the list because I just know you have some great insights and probably some not great experiences that I wanted to kind of like chat with yes. about. I, I just was like, if anyone has like experienced this in life in general, but also the theater industry, you know, I'm sure you have some horror stories yeah. <laughs> for but, sure um, for sure let's talk a little bit about where you grew up which is kind of hilarious because I forgot that you grew up in wait Paducah Kentucky yeah yeah I forgot that you grew up in Kentucky and Rachel is my friend that I also met through Blue Gate is from Kentucky Oh, <laughs> yeah, love that two Southern gals. Yeah, I don't think people would know you were from the South necessarily if they met you. No, it's funny. It's funny because I definitely like I meet someone else from the South and and I like hear something in their voice and then all of a sudden like I'm talking like this and I'm like hey like like it's very obvious that I'm from Kentucky when I'm around other people from the country. Um, but yeah, so I was uh, born and raised in Paducah, Kentucky, which is where I am now. Good to, uh, thanks to good old coronavirus. <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, I moved. I moved away when I was eighteen, and like literally, uh, this is the longest period of time I've been here for a month, and this is the longest period of time that I've been here, like since I moved away. So it's very weird. <laughs> Yeah, you're like ready to buy a piece of property and grow corn. <laughs> Did growing up there, and I know you probably have different experiences, but because 
Mickey is mixed, by the way, guys, because you can't see her. But I will yeah. post pictures <laughs> and her Instagram handle so you can follow along her amazing journey to Broadway. Um, <laughs> you know, Broadway, come back, RIP. Yes, please. <laughs> but she grew up, her dad is African-American, her mom is white. So on top of being a girl, girl raised in the South, um, yes. <laughs> how, how was that? Did you even notice the whole girl part because there was just such another layer of your yeah yeah I think I think that like growing up it was very um it was very obvious that I was that I was different in some way like especially it doing theater because like I've been doing community theater since I was seven um and it's really like all I've ever done and I was it was me and my sister and we were the only people of color that were in the theater at all, like for so long. Um, I wanna say maybe the whole time I was there, um, we were the only people of color there. And then like, once I left, I started seeing they were doing like hairspray and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. All these people, like, where did they come from? <laughs> like, I'm so happy. Um, but, but it definitely, I think it definitely was obvious that there was something different about me. And, and I think that because of the way I was raised, I didn't immediately think, oh, it's because I'm black. Like, I didn't immediately think that. I was just like, oh, I guess I'm just like, I'm loud or I'm really <laughs> tall or all true things as, as well as me being black. But that was never the first thing that I thought. And, and I think that growing up, in Kentucky, it, it took me a minute. It took me, I think, for me to leave Kentucky, for me to like look back in and be like, oh, I see. Like, I see that I was treated differently, maybe for all of those things, but also because I was in Kentucky, I was, I was in the South, I was doing theater, there was no one around me that looked like me. And so it, it definitely, it, it definitely had a lot to do with the fact that I, that I was, I did have a black dad and a white mom. And, and I also, you can't see me, but <laughs> I also, I always say that I, I, I present, like I'm a black girl with a white mom. Like I always say that, like, because you don't look at me and assume that my mom is white. Like so many times right. people have met my family and they're like, oh, wait, you're biracial? I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm like, just dark. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, no, like I'm dark. And uh, you know, there, there are some, you, you know, I mean, it's different, like different hair textures, different facial structures, whatever, you know, with different mm -hmm. genes and everything. But um, I definitely was, was raised very much being seen as black. So I think that a lot of my, my struggles of fitting in didn't like as far as like race or gender didn't really set in as far as gender goes until like I got to college and got into right. like the adult world. Um, mm -hmm. Before that, it was just kind of, uh, it was a, a thing that was based on something I didn't even know until I was right. out of it. It kind of sounds like your, your parents didn't really, they raised you so that that like being black wasn't an identifying factor for you until you grew up. And exactly. Like, hey, this is an amazing part about me and like, you know. Right. Yeah. And, and it, honestly, I think that it was kind of like, like the given circumstances that were given to us. Like, you know, we, I was like born and raised in this, in this place in Kentucky and, and it's not a bad place to grow up. Like I didn't, I didn't, you know, 
witness any like blatant racism, you know, growing up. But but I think that it was definitely important the way that my parents raised me in in the fact that it wasn't a defining factor. It was like, okay, you're a singer, you're a dancer, you're an actor, you're a woman, you're this, mm -hmm. you're this, and you are also black. <laughs> as opposed to like leading with it, you know? Yeah. So it it yeah. definitely wasn't something that was like at the forefront of my mind. Gotcha. So before Mickey went to college, she did a little field trip to LA and was on the Glee, <laughs> she was on the Glee project. So if you see yes. her picture on Instagram, you're like, where do I know her? Maybe that's it. But yes, yeah, a little field trip to LA. <laughs> you like how I summarized your entire like LA adventure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You did yeah. the Glee project. Did you feel like there was any, I mean, was there any time that when you were there that you felt like, why are we having to do this? And like, why aren't the boys having to do this? Was, or were they kind yeah. of that? Well, I think that, um, I think it was, well, first of all, I, I became very aware of like the time that we were given and and time is like very important and like reality tv like it's it's so first of all especially in competitions like it's so unfair <laughs> like the time because like <laughs> i could be sitting next to a guy for instance and like i have to go to like hair and makeup and do all of this stuff and like he can sit over here and literally like work on his solo line for like ever while I'm getting in hair and makeup and I'm not allowed to talk because I'm getting makeup on and yada yada and so I'm sitting there and I'm like well this is like super unfair because I have like half of the time to rehearse and I'm over here like okay like I have to be in hair and makeup for like an hour or more to like go and do this so that yeah. was super super frustrating <laughs> Oh, I've never even thought about that. But yeah, that's like an extra hour <laughs> that they get like to just chill or yeah, work on stuff. I've never yeah, thought about that. Just like sit there and just like <laughs> live their best life. And I'm just like, I have to go over here now. Like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So you do that and you go back to college. You go into the college world. Yes, yes. So were there times that you were aware of that people were like, Hey, that's kind of like, that was like a lady. Like, like people don't really like girls don't do that. Um, yeah. Well, I think that, I think that like also like taking that question that you said and like touching back to like growing up, like my mom for sure always told me, I will never forget this. My mom always told me that women don't, ladies don't drink beer. Like I was always <laughs> told that, right? Like I was always told that I was always raised with that in my head ladies don't drink beer and mm -hmm. I remember like and my my dad and I are like super super close and my dad is a big beer drinker and I remember that like when I was like 21 I was like oh I'm gonna like have a beer with my dad and I always like had and and the funny thing is is like it's not at all like damaging, like whatever, I'm over it. I drink beer, mom, like get over yeah. it. But like every time I drink beer, I, ha I have that thought where I'm like, uh -huh, ladies don't drink beer. Like, yes, yes I'm not a lady. Like I clearly, I, I obviously like don't, don't care. And like, mom, you're probably going to listen to this. <laughs> like, it's fine. Still love you. Yeah. But, but it's like, I definitely like heard that. And so like going into college, there was definitely, I mean, there's number one, the drinking, the, what, what you drink type of thing, like what I'm just supposed to yeah. wine, like what? And then there's also, 
there's also like the added thing of like, you know, being involved with other people romantically. Like that was like a huge thing. Like when a guy does something, you know, <laughs> with like more than one person oh, in a period of a month or two, then that's just a guy. But you know, if it's a girl, then like she a hoe, you know? <laughs> like Yeah, I I can't. Mm-mm. It's like, it's I don't, so, again, don't understand it because, yeah, <laughs> like they're doing the exact same, but it's just the way that it's perceived is just so different. Yeah, it definitely, it, and it's, and it's so, it's so interesting, like how these like beliefs have gone on through all of these years and it's like, wait, people still believe that? Like you still yeah. think that I can't do this because I'm a woman and I'm supposed to act like, it's crazy. It's like, I'm supposed to keep things a secret because you're going to judge me. Like, even though, even though this guy over here just did the same thing and he's like shouting it and you guys think he's Mm -hmm. so cool, but yeah. So that was definitely like a huge thing in college. I, yeah. Well, and I was, my love life, uh, was non-existent in college. There wasn't really (laughs) about, but I definitely... (laughs) I can't decide. I am a pretty private person and I can't decide as far as like broadcasting that part of my life. I can't decide if it's just really ingrained in me that that is not okay for women to talk about or if it's just because I actually feel like I just want to be private. Yeah. Like I, can't, I can't figure it out. I right. mean, <laughs> I think I'm just really private because like with my friends, there's really nothing that's off limits. So I'm pretty sure it's just yeah, wanting to not do that because one of my other best friends has no problem just shouting her conquest to the world, and I'm like, "You go, girl!" Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Me personally. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm gonna cheer you on, but like, the, I'm I'm still gonna be me, but yes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Were there times where you felt it was harder for you to succeed or to get something done because of your gender? Um. Well, it's actually so I have like a very specific story actually Um, when I was uh just recently uh auditioning for once on this island uh before I before I booked it so I'm like living in New York I'm going to these auditions and everything and originally if you're not familiar with the show originally the demon of death Papa Gay is played by a male um Mm -hmm. originally and then um Asaka mother of the earth she is usually played by a woman So in the revival on Broadway, they switched it and they had a woman playing Papa Gay and a man playing Asaka. But like the the pronouns were still the same in the show. It was Papa Gay was a he, Asaka was a woman. Um, So I went in to the audition and I was originally called in for one of like the featured ensemble parts. Um, And I was like, and I told my agent that I wanted to go in for Papa Gay. And he was like, okay, like, I'll tell them that you want to go in for Papa Gay, but that's not what they wanted to see you for. Because even though they cast a woman as Papa Gay, they didn't want the understudy to be a woman. So they always had the understudy as a male and the understudy for Asaka was always a woman. So it was like the correct quote unquote casting was the understudies, but like there was only one male playing Asaka, one female playing uh-huh. Papa Gay. And so I was like, okay, but I want to go in for it. Like, I want to go in for it. And I like pressed it. I got a little bit of pushback from casting and there was like a little bit of 
an attitude basically being like, well, fine, like come in and do what you want, but that's not what we see you for. We don't think that whatever. And I was like, no, I want to be seen for it. I want to be seen for it. And I went in, I did the material and then I got done and they were like, wow, that was so great. Like awesome. The director was like, did I see you for a different role? Like a, like a couple months ago. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, wow, what a, what a range. Like, this is great. And I was like, yes. And I felt really good about like just being seen for it initially. Like I was like, okay, I'm glad I pushed it because especially in this industry, it's so hard to advocate for yourself when you have yeah. your agent and you have like a big casting agency, like telling you that they want to see you for something else. Like you have to be like super solid in your abilities to be like, no, yeah. listen to me. This is what I want to be seen for. Okay. Because and I'm so listening to you and being like, I don't do that and I and I need to do that and it's so scary to do that as a woman because oh. me and Rachel were talking about last week that I get so scared to ask for either you know more if you need more money he's like we're not doing it to make big bucks or just trying to live you know but like yeah to ask for more money or to be seen for something another part that they're not considering you for is just it's just so scary because at any moment for me they're like we have 50 white girls outside waiting. You know what I mean? Right. I right. Have, yeah. That mentality though. Like it's so hard. Yeah. It's, I know. And, and I just remember like, I was so like adamant about it. And I like, when I walked out of that room, I was like, dear God. And I was, I was like, thank God that went well, because like, yikes, like had it not, I just completely, like I put all of my eggs in one basket basically. Or so I thought, because I was like, this is what I want to be seen for. And so after that audition, I ended up getting um, a callback uh, for like, uh, for an Erzuli cover, The Goddess of Love. And also I was asked to come in and do Papa Gay stuff again. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. So I went there and I did everything. And then I ended up getting a storyteller role just in the ensemble that understudied The Goddess of Love, the featured ensemble part they wanted me to come in for initially. And then understudying Papa Gay. And I was the first female understudy ever for Papa Gay. Like yeah. ever. <laughs> and wow. and right, and it was actually the weekend, the weekend that was our last weekend in Las Vegas, I got to go on for Papa Gay. Oh yes, and, I saw that. Oh my yeah. god. And actually what's so funny. So happy. I was I was so excited. And what was so funny is that my boyfriend is actually the other understudy for Papa Gay. So <laughs> he's actually the first the first cover and I was the second cover and he, he couldn't be there. And the, um, and Tamira Gray, who was American Idols, Tamira Gray, who yes, was, <laughs> who was, let me tell you something, Mickey. Um, you don't have to n tell me who that is because <laughs> my family watched American Idol religiously until we, I remember vividly Jordan Sparks winning. And then I don't know why we didn't watch after that, but I was such a Jordan Sparks fan. Like I, I got you at least a thousand votes, girl. But yes. <laughs> oh, we watched it every season. And when yeah. it was on there, we're like, yes, he's from Alabama. But yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. Continue. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no. So, so like she couldn't be there. He wasn't there. I was, I got to go on and it was, it was so amazing to get to, first of all, go on for something that nobody wanted to see me for. Like nobody wanted to give me the time of day to go in for that part. And the fact that I advocated for myself to go in for it and to be seen for it. And I remember I couldn't, and, and once again, back to like me not being aware of these prejudices, like, I, like my just first thought is never, 
oh, you're treating me this way because I'm a woman. Like I, that's never my first thought. And so it's never my first thought. And so I remember when I was advocating for myself to go in for Papa Gay, I never thought, oh, it's because they're not looking for a woman for this because they already cast it. I never thought that until I booked it. And then a friend of mine who was also in the show was like, you know, there's never been a female understudy for Papa Gay. Like you're the first. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And so like, I can't, like the feeling of number one, doing a role that I had advocated for myself for being the only female understudy ever for that part. And also it being like my first principal equity debut or whatever. Like it was unreal. It was, it was so cool. And it was definitely, it was definitely a time that people were like, no, like, we ha- which you I had which I think is so- you had to push so much harder. Yeah, oh my and I- empowering, like, oh my gosh. I know. And I think it's just so crazy because it was once I realized I was like, wait, you didn't want to see me because you weren't casting a female as an understudy. Like that's why you wouldn't see yeah. me. Like what? That yeah. Like, yeah, it was it was and crazy. You, like to me, I obviously can't speak for all the girls in theater, but like you are the like five or ten percent of women that like are pushing and saying like no I know that like I can do this part we yeah. if you'll just let me like I need more I need some grit I'm glad I'm talking to you because I need it like I I don't know I get so like lost like oh there's just so many of us and there's just what's what you know it's so difficult yeah no I mean I, I don't want to like- say like oh like I don't have the balls because I don't need balls but like right, right. <laughs> I just well I think it, I think it definitely, like, there's just such a, I think, like, touching on being in this industry, I just think there's such a, a thing that is put on us, like, there's, like, there was some movie, I don't know what it is, it was, like, is it Twilight something where you're, like, glamoured, or is it True Blood or something, like, you're glamoured and you think you're seeing all of this stuff, I don't know what that's from, it's from some movie, I I don't know, but it's, like, I feel like we're, like, taught to be so, like, starstruck by this industry like we're in college and we hear how hard it is and then we like create these like probably unhealthy obsessions with these broadway stars and then we get to a point where we're like okay i'm auditioning for a show that this person is in that i'm obsessed with so like right i i can't ask for anything like i I, who am i like what and it's just like once you get to a point where you're like no, I am me. There are no more me's. I am the only me. So like, if I book it, then they wanted me. If that person booked it, then they wanted her and I'm not her. So what can I do? You know? Right. Right. I love what you said earlier though, that, that it's not the first thing that comes to your mind that like, Oh, it's because I'm a woman. Like I, I love that. I don't think that you were raised to think that. And I definitely wasn't, but like I, I became aware of it in my Mm twenties. I feel like, and I don't, and I think one of, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was because I want us to talk about like the stories and the instances that we've experienced, but I don't want us to use it as an excuse. And I want us to like empower each other right. to continue to like, not let that be an issue, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I, I love think- that you said that it's like, that's not the first, like, it's not the first thing that popped into your head. I feel like if that's the first thing you think of, it's harder for you to get around it because you yes. can't, because you can't change the fact, like, I'm a woman, like, I'm a woman, and yes. so I can't, I can't be like, oh, if, if I accept that as the first thing, and that's the first obstacle, then I'm like, okay, well, what can I do about that, like, I can't change that, 
Um, but like, if you think if, and if you're wired in a way and you're like taught to think about it in a different way, or you just try to teach yourself how to think about it in a different way, you can get around things and you can trick people <laughs> that were <laughs> discriminating against you because of your gender. You can trick them and they can be like, Oh wait, I didn't see all of this other stuff. You know? Right. It's okay. Because it's like, if you're not thinking about it and you're just going about trying to hustle and do your thing, then like, they're not going to think about it. Exactly. I mean, yeah. not, that wouldn't work all the time, but that's a good it mentality work, to have. Yeah. It wouldn't work all the time, but it's definitely like, oh, but they this would is be less likely. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, this is a woman, but oh, wait, like, she can like sing the hell out of that song. Like, okay. Yes. I mean, she's a woman. She's not what I was thinking about, but now I'm seeing this other thing and she's like trying, you know? Yeah. Exactly. So on the cusp of that, especially because you, you were like hustling in New York for like a year, like nine, you weren't actually there that long. Cause <laughs> no, Mickey I was like, not. let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you. So Mickey, we were getting done with this contract and she was like, I'm just so excited. I'm make, I'm making the move to New York and I'm so excited to just, to just get uh, a job and take classes and just be in New York. And I think she was there for like mm, six, eight months. And then she was like, get a cruise line and then yeah. cruise line, she was like jk i'm gonna go on a national tour instead because i mean i was just like i am just shouting from the south congratulations like <laughs> yeah like first of all i i was like doing really great with the regional theater and the cruise and the theme park circuit i was like if i yeah. just keep doing this i'll just book and i'll work and it's fine and i I'd, I'd worked for these companies so much already that like even the company that we worked for together, like it was like, oh, I have this show and this role. Like, do you want to do it? Like I, I didn't even audition for it. It was like, yeah. I'd already worked for these companies and that's how I was getting my like income after college from things that I had already established. Right. Um, and so when I moved to New York, I, I had everything planned and I was like, okay, I have a meeting with this agent I've been represented, I've been recommended to. I have um, a job interview that I've gotten a recommendation from, from this person. So like I moved there and I was like set and I was like auditioning for things. And yeah, it was, I think it was about like four or five months that I was there. And then I was like, cause I think I moved, I moved in like at the end of April, beginning of May. And then I mm -hmm. went on the cruise ship and it's, it's so crazy because it went, <laughs> it just went, it went so fast and then like when I left, when I left Beautiful, I was in New York for about nine months uh, working as a maitre d' at a restaurant, like a super fancy Jean-Georges restaurant in Midtown. Mm -hmm. And that was paying my bills. And I was doing that every single night and auditioning every day. Uh, and then once on this island happened. So it was like, it, it's been, it's crazy because it has been very much like back to back to back. Yeah. Um, I think collectively I've lived in New York for like a year, <laughs> but I moved there. That is like, long, yeah. Yeah. But I moved there like four years ago. <laughs> I just remember it. I think because you had been out of college for a few years mm -hmm. and I was fresh out, fresh yeah. newborn baby out of college. <laughs> and so I remember you saying like, yes, I'm like doing, I'm making the move. And to me that just like a move to New York because we're in Amish country. And I'm like, that, that seemed like light years from like where I was. And I still, I feel like I put myself in a box like that sometimes. Like, oh, like I need to accomplish X, Y, and Z before I get to do that. And it's just like, that is not how it works. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think for me, like one of my biggest things is that I had to stop myself 
from auditioning for things. I was like, wait, I'm, yeah, I'm like, wait, I'm turning down, I'm turning down a job. Like, and, and there were, there were moments where I was like, who do I think I am? Like, I'm just out here, like turning down performance jobs. Like, right. Who is that? You know? I remember you telling me that you, you were, um, you were in Sister Act, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And didn't you, who was, uh, you don't have to say the company name, but wasn't it like they were asking you to come in for like something bogus? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They offered. And, and, you, and they wanted you to come in and play. Dolores. Dolores. You know, yeah. I was like, you're coming in to play Whoopi Goldberg, basically. Right. <laughs> I couldn't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they literally <laughs> offered me, they literally offered me $200 a week. And I like, and this was, I wasn't in college anymore. Like I was, I was like had a college degree and I was hired to do this comp to do this show and they offered me $200 a week. And I was like, no, like, and, and that yeah. was, that was the moment where I was like, I was like, you know what? And, and what was so interesting is that in that moment, I, I didn't even think, oh, maybe I shouldn't say, maybe I should just take it. Like, I never thought that because I was like, $200? Absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, no. And I was like, I will come for no less than 300 a week. And even now I think about that and I'm like, I'm like for that role, it should have been so much more, right. but like with the industry, with this industry and like how hard it is, especially as a non-union actor, yeah. like I was like, I don't have anybody. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have, I wasn't a part of the union. You don't union. have a lot had, of leverage. I had, no, I had no leverage at all. You're literally I, like, um, please. I know. I was like, absolutely not. Not $200. Please 300. But if you say no, then like, maybe I'll probably still be there. <laughs> like, probably, yeah. <laughs> I'll say like, outside of the theater industry, like I've had to, I, I actually, for the first time asked for a raise in a job that was not a theater job. When I first moved to New York, I was like, a server's assistant at this restaurant because New York restaurants the hierarchy is like crazy you have That's to have crazy. you have to have all of these like like years of experience basically <laughs> and I was like I was like yeah. a, a server's assistant and I was like I had no responsibility at all I was just cleaning plates <laughs> off of tables and then like I was like they the managers kind of liked me and I was like okay this is going good I left to do the cruise line and then after two years later, I went back and I was like, I'm just looking, I don't really want to be a server or anything. I just want to, you know, something that's not full, full time. So like maybe a host and they were like, great, we'll make you a host. And then like a month later, they were like, okay, do you want to be the maitre d', which is literally like the door manager. And it got to the point where I was the only girl, I was the only maitre d' for like a month and a half because people kept quitting and I was like oh training, my God. I was like training all these people I was like working ridiculous amounts of hours and I was like remember I called my mom and I was like mom how do I ask for a raise <laughs> I, was like, I was like I don't know how to do this like do I yeah. send an email do I write a letter I was like because I definitely feel like I should be making more money than I'm making I love like, that you still called your mom I, I did I was I was like mom help I was like how do I do this and she was like she's like okay and she was like on the phone with me while I was filling out this thing and our general manager was actually also a woman and so she was like she was like okay good for you girl here you go here's your race and I was like yes <laughs> yes we love that we love that I remember the anxiety of just having to type out a two weeks notice and I was like mom is this right and I like sent her a picture of it because <laughs> I've never done it like, before I'm so sorry that I have to quit this job <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like I'm so sorry oh my um, gosh. 
Okay. So next question, which I feel like we already covered, but general struggles that you face as a woman in your field, which we kind of covered, but if you have anything to add, you can. Yeah. I think that like, it's really difficult, um, in this industry being like body image is like, so such a big thing. Like yes. it's such a big thing in, it's in the entertainment industry for sure. And it's like, I, I am a tall person. I'm 5'10 and I, mm -hmm. I'm not a stick, but I'm not like overweight and I can do a show eight times a week, but I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not yeah. like a, like a stick thin dancer. Like I'm just not. And I, and I don't, yeah. and I don't work out as often as I probably should. I feel like I'd probably be in better shape if I did, but it's quarantine right now too. So <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but yeah. I think, I think that it's really hard in this industry for women because it's like people, there's still this like weird, this weird belief that the, first of all, you're walking into a dance call and most of the time the people behind the table are all men. Like yeah. most of the time they're all middle-aged white men and, and they're standing back there and they're watching you dance. And, and there's this like weird, gross feeling that you feel when you're putting on your dance clothes and you're looking around and you're comparing yourself to all of these other women that are Oh my gosh. You. I thought it was just me doing that. Like, yeah, you're looking at all of these women that are around you. There's also that crazy, crazy thing with these companies that don't want to spend extra money to make new costumes. So a lot of times if you join companies, they're like, here's a costume this person was already wearing. And if you put it on and it doesn't fit you, then you're giving yeah. us extra work. And it's like really crappy. Cause you're yeah. like, okay, but my body's completely different than that person. The, the pressure that is on women is, is insane. Like it's, insane and i i remember when i was working for carnival cruise lines i i actually got um i got like a weight warning or something because they were <laughs> because they were like they were like um you because we had to do weigh-ins so that's a thing number one i had to do a weigh-in every uh, i knew that was a thing for dancers because i know it can get pretty crazy for dancers on cruise ships. Yeah, it was a thing for everyone. So I was a singer and I, we, we all had, yeah, we all had to do these weigh-ins, right? And like our weights were, were submitted on this form to our ship supervisor. And like, I was hired the way that I look and I did my dance call with like a sports bra on and leggings and like, I wasn't hiding anything. Like I went in and I did it. And then the, the person that cast for the cruise line cast me and it was fine and it wasn't a big deal. But then that was a different person that was in charge of my ship. And so yeah. they, instead of telling the person that was lifting me, because they said that was the issue, like they wanted to make sure it was like with the dance numbers, the person that was lifting me was like, it was safe and yada, yada and the weight. But instead of telling him that he needed to go to the gym- I say, more, book up, bud. Instead of telling him that he needed to go to the gym more, they told me that I needed to lose weight and didn't tell us both, and, and it would have been different had they been like, hey, Mickey, just like, you know, lose a couple pounds. Hey, you go to the gym more. Like, no, literally he was told yeah. nothing. Like, that's crazy. Like, just tell this person to go to the gym more and maybe I will also go to the gym. And how about that? <laughs> like, we go together. Like, yeah, right? I'm like, we're both in this situation every night on stage. Like, and we weren't even having issues, but like, that's what they like filed it under. It was, it's crazy. It's that. Like, 
I think the mm-hmm. biggest thing in this in this industry with being a woman is like these these unfair standards of like how you have to look and and the fact that someone will look you in your face and be like you're fat you need to lose weight you don't fit this costume like someone will yeah. straight up say that to you and you're like great so how do I do that healthily right now like <laughs> like yeah it's it's crazy uh oh my god yeah that's just a whole nother issue for me <laughs> right yeah. I'm just like that th- I mean I yeah I got done and I was going to auditions and going to the big conferences and I just I couldn't I couldn't do it I took in I took of like a year and a half off and because I was like I don't know if I can do this I don't know if I can like walk in front of people and have them tell me that they they I that they won't hire me or they won't even look at me because I'm not a size two like I know it's just like I was like I said to Rachel so like I wouldn't be trying to do this if I didn't think that I had the talent to do it right so it's really disheartening to be like hey your arms are too big (laughs) like just yeah And and the thing thing is, is like, I think, I think it's like, and, and I'll like give like little minor props to my boyfriend for a second. So he's like (laughs) in insane shape. Um, and, (laughs) but, but the thing is, is he's like, he trains for things like uh, he's an athlete because he's doing these shows like eight times a week and yada, yada. And like, he is literally like when I have been complaining about things like, Oh, like this costume is like, really tight and like these people are giving me pushback for it yada yada and it's just like well going to the gym and feeling better and making sure you can do the show is more yeah. important than going <laughs> going on diets and yada 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 so wrapping all of that up i always always want to end with a good on a high on a good note so is there anyone um, that inspires you or is there a story of like a girl or a woman that you heard recently that kind of just lifted your spirits and was like, yes, love that? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, first of all, um, I am a, I'm a huge, oh my gosh, this is going to, this is going on the, on the recording and I can't think of her name. Oh, Elizabeth Warren. There we go. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, what is her name? Oh, God. Um, um, you can say it again. I'll cut it out. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> um, I First, I, I am not like a huge, I'm not a huge political person, like in, in general, until it really started affecting my life. Like I am, I am, a, I am an honest person when it comes to that. Like I, I definitely used to have moments where I was like, I don't know. I don't care. I don't care about politics. I don't care. Yep. Um, but like, I definitely got to a point where I was like, okay, like I was looking at, at these candidates and I was like, okay, well, we have to do something a little different. (laughs) We have to do something a little different. Um, and I got like, so invested, like I got so invested in Elizabeth Warren and Mm -hmm. I just, and I just, especially because like, I don't know if you saw that video of, um, Elizabeth Warren and Kate McKinnon on SNL. Um, Oh my God. I like watched it over and over and over again. It's so good. And I was like, this is so amazing. It's so amazing. And I I became so invested in that and like so invested in like an idea of like what our country would look like and yada, yada. Kind of like a, like a second chance with, because of, you know, Hillary 
<laughs> didn't yeah. pan out, you know? And, right, and right. I saw, I saw, I've just become so invested in this image of like, of a, like a, a woman in, in power with this government and like what that could do. And yeah. one of the most inspiring things, and I actually saw it on my Facebook was, um, there's like a, like there was an article that was out and it was like, here's how all of these countries are dealing with this COVID pandemic and all of the, <laughs> and compare them with the differences of how these other countries are and every country that was handling it in a reasonable way and had actually gotten behind the curve of it were ones when women were in power. Shut up. Like, I'll send you the article. Like, I, and, I, you. and I was like, I was like, this is literally like, duh. <laughs> like, but it's also like, yes, we already know this. Like, yeah, we know this. And it's like, and it's just looking at it and being like, well, we haven't tried that. Like we haven't right? tried that. Like, can we try? And, and also that's another thing. Why have we not tried that? <laughs> like, like, and that, and that's the thing. I had the think, old white male for like hundreds of years. Yeah. And that's the, that's another <laughs> thing you think about. Like, you're like, wait, like, the base thing, like whether, regardless of, you know, if you're talking to somebody who like believes in the patriarchy or someone who doesn't believe in it or yada, yada, like there are literal facts. Like how is it that number one, there's only been one black president and number two, there's never been a female one. Like that doesn't make any sense at all. And it's like, it's like, obviously that's, Obviously, it's a patriarchy thing, but like, anyway, the positivity of that is just like I'm obsessed with with every, like all of these like the, these countries and these things that have like women in power. And like mm-hmm. I've I've started watching um, these. I watched a uh, I think it was in South Africa. There was um, a woman that was that was uh, doing a press conference and she was like, if you don't like the bread that you have at home, eat a cracker. She, she was like, she was like, we're not doing this. Like we're not doing, and I was, I, yeah. I just like gotten so into watching these like press conferences with these that, women. That's amazing. I'm that like, are, yeah, I think we need a mother's touch. A woman's yes, touch. Right, <laughs> right. And I'm, I'm like, like <laughs> and it makes so much sense to my brain. And I'm like, yeah, like, yes. And obviously it's not just, obviously these are, you know, intelligent women and and there's more to them than them just being women but it's like I have gone into this like hole of watching these videos and it's like so empowering especially right now because I'm like okay so that's that's being handled really positively there and it might not be in the country that I'm in right now but it's in the world that I'm in so like okay (laughs) take it as a win (laughs) right (laughs) exactly I love that. Okay. I'm definitely need you to send me that article. I, I need to, I need to hear. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, I can hear, I can hear you. It froze for a second. Okay. Okay. Um, no, but I think, I think there's definitely, um, moments where you just kind of have to step away from everything that's happening, like in the news and on social media yeah. and yada, yada. Like I refuse to watch videos of, I have not seen any videos from New York. Like, like people keep posting these like views from Times Square. I don't want to see it. Like, I don't, like, I refuse. So I I literally, I have to, like, set time aside to be like, you know what? Yeah, and it it feels different than, like, oh, like, I know that there was a huge wave of, like, we have to be educated, we have to be informed as far, talking about, like, politics and elections and stuff. But this doesn't feel like that because it's, like, I'm doing my part and I'm doing everything I can, but I, I can't take on the suffering of everyone else because it really hurts my heart. 
And so I pray for those people and, you know, we yeah need to donate. And if like my mom's made like hundreds of masks. And, and that's so much, so like, we do what we can, but I mean, I have to sometimes like shut it down and just, I can't cause it's, it, it's, it, it can be really scary. Mickey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I knew you would have some great insights and yeah. I am just so happy that you said yes. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, yeah. thanks for listening. This has been episode two of Like a Lady.